Welcome back to our second week of Fight, Fight, a message series that we're really pumped with you guys, uh, pumped up to share with you guys at the Foundry. Again, this was months in the making, uh, in the middle of another series, and God placed the full armor on my heart, and I was thinking, let's talk about this today. And then as I began to study and to read, I said, this is like a whole message series in and of itself. This thing is deep, okay? This is deep water that we need to spend some time on as a whole series. So we came up with what's called Fight, and we see in Ephesians 6 where Paul talks talks about the full armor of God. And you've probably heard this as a kid growing up. I used to have that little action figurine guy. Did you ever have that? Anybody else have that when you were a kid? This guy had the full armor. He was super cool. That's what happened when you were a cheesy Christian kid and all you shopped at was the Christian bookstore for stuff. Okay, because He-Man was of the devil. I don't know if anybody knew that. Um, but He-Man was of the devil, so the only thing I could have is the full armor of God guy, all right? So that was me, that kid. And it's like, take your, take your toy to school day. And I'm like, um, there's a kid here in the... Um, <laughs> kind of kid. But I had that little full armor guy. And I remember as a kid hearing the story and things like that. And, and uh, it didn't mean as much as it does now. Because last week we went really deep and we talked about uh, this, this idea of spiritual warfare. And it's not spiritual warfare. You know what I'm talking about, right? If you grow up in any church that's even remotely charismatic, you'll know that it's like, Aah! no, that's not the goal here. That's not the goal here for us to be so heavenly minded we're of no earthly good, if you know what I'm saying, all right? We understand that there's things happening around us, all right? We understand the idea and the concept of spiritual warfare and how real it is to our everyday lives. We talked about uh, an ancient text by Sun Zhu, and it was called The Art of War, which, remember, was a great military treatise that was really this, this idea, this concept encompassing warfare, this idea, this concept, a 13-chapter uh, essay, if you will, a doctoral thesis, if you will, that was dedicated to warfare. And we understood through that, that, that really the understanding that he, he came to back many, many, many years ago about the idea of how to fight and, and war every day. This, uh, this uh, topics and conversations that he focused on were things such as waging war, forces, Weakness and strengths, military maneuvers, attacking with fire, and also intelligence and espionage, just to name a few. This text is recognized by many, many, many countries. China, absolutely. Japan, Vietnam, even America. This text is so uh, utilized that even some of the great historical war figures in many wars would use these techniques and these maneuvers to really combat the enemy. We understood also that Paul wrote a great treatise as well in Ephesians 6. As he wrote to the church of Ephesus, he, you know, he was excited for what they've done. He was excited about the relationship that they had. He was congratulating them. He was touching on some hard issues and things like that. But he wrote also his own doctoral thesis, if you will, on what we call spiritual warfare. And this is something that's important for us. And you're thinking, when are we going to get into that armor thing? There's a lot of groundwork that needs to be set before we go talking about what you put on, okay? And last week, we talked about really understanding who we're fighting against, right? And what this spiritual warfare looks like and how it plays out in our everyday lives. We understood and understand to be true when we look at Romans 8, 35 through 39, and this isn't on your screen, so that's fine to stay up for now, tells us that we're loved by God, and because of that great love, nothing can separate us from it but also that we are beyond being just love, that we are more than conquerors because of that love that the Father has bestowed upon us, has given to us. Doesn't that make you excited to know? 
John 16, 33. Again, we're getting to the one on your screen, so don't get too concerned at this point. John 16, 33 confirms the understanding that regardless of the trouble that this world presents, regardless of what we see every single day as we do life, every single day, that Jesus has overcome. Let that sink in for a second again. I don't know about you, but my everyday life doesn't really lean or point to the feeling of, of, of an overcomer, of more than a conqueror. Because life is not that way, is it? You can make a list right now as you sit here of 50, 50 different things that's hitting you right square between the eyes right now. 50 things that you're concerned about, 50 things that bother you. And it's hard for us to, again, take in that we are more than conquerors and also that his love is so great. He's made us that. that so we forsake us, that he's got our back, that he has overcome. So we read verse 12 of Ephesians 6, which you'll see on your screen. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We understand that this fight, remember, this fight is not necessarily all against the enemy. Remember, of the five times you see this, this understanding of a fight in the New Testament, it's not against the devil. Who's it against? us our own selves remember you took out your phone and you looked in the phone that little selfie moment there you loved it don't even try it you're all up on instagram and stuff you're like hey church selfie sunday selfie word and i was like too soon because i made a point that sometimes all we're concerned about and what gives us the struggle and what causes the hiccup is self it's not the enemy as much as it is the man in the mirror. Michael Jackson's going to play in just a second. You guys got it? I'm just kidding. You were waiting for it, though, weren't you guys? I knew you were. Hosea 4.6 showed us as well that my people are destroyed, destroyed from a lack of knowledge. What we know in these moments are so key, that we know that we're more than conquerors, right? That we know that his love is greater than anything that he is overcome. So we had a few things that we, we looked at for a moment last week about what to know. The first thing was know your foe. Remember 1 Peter 5, 8, about the enemy that prowls around like a lion, right? We, we remembered where we understood that it wasn't him as much as it was us. We understood that the truth is this from Rick Renner, that the devil's attacks against our lives wouldn't work if our flesh didn't cooperate. Remember that? We learned that in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that we just need to simply examine and test ourselves. When you look in the mirror, be real with yourself. You may have your wife or your husband in bed with you every night, but you sleep with yourself. Right here, right? You know what I'm talking about? Inside here, examine yourself. Know your true foe in life. If he's been defeated... The man in the mirror is who we need to look to. Second is know who to fear. The only person that we need to fear in this life, again, we're dealing with a defeated foe, is the person, God, who holds eternity in his hands. The only person to fear is the one who holds our forever. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's the only person that we have to fear in this life is the one that holds forever. The third thing was knowing how to fight. 
we, we got that visual picture of a fighter in the palestra of that time, which was that, that MMA gymnasium kind of thing that you learned to fight to the death, that boxers had like razors in their gloves. And if you looked back at ancient pictures of Rome, you'd see disfigured members of, 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 of battle and dis- disfigured members of war. Their, their faces were all messed up from the time they spent in the palestra. And again, that MMA that you fought to the death. You didn't have a guy in the ring blowing a whistle or saying when to stop. You didn't tap out. You died. We understood. We know how to fight. And we see um, with Paul speaking and and also uh, in Timothy, we see in the book where we fight the good fight of faith and not succumb to the temptation of the enemy. The good fight of faith. And understanding once again the Achilles heel of the enemy is the name of Jesus. Remember, I reminded you of that story when I was a kid. I used to be scared of Count Chocula. Remember that whole thing? And I'd always be running. And I would run. And roll. No. scared to death. And I'd turn around. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he turned into a box of cereal. No. He just vanished. I was, I don't, it was before Twilight. I don't know why I was scared of vampires, okay? Maybe it was the monsters. I don't know, okay? But I was scared. But in the name of Jesus, the fear ceased. That was the Achilles heel. That was the thing that changed it all for me. And the thing that will change it all for you is the name of Jesus. And knowing how to be free was our last stop on the journey. Even as Paul was in chains for preaching the gospel, he was free because he preached the gospel. 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That understanding that his work has been destroyed, that we are free. Luke 316, that he was literally loosening, loosening, untying what had us bound by the enemy and disarming the powers in Colossians 2.15, disarming the powers and authorities and making a public spectacle. As you get that, that throwback to Roman culture when they would defeat someone, they publicly displayed them as defeated. And that's the enemy's stance in our life. Publicly defeated, absolutely stripped naked. No one, remember, his roar is loud but he has no teeth. That mangy house cat with no hair. I know some of you guys may love cats. God bless your soul. But that mangy house cat, that's how I see them all. That, ugh, bless him. Nothing. Nothing. He has nothing to you. All right? So this morning we find ourselves at a point of understanding, a point in which we know in our minds, and our hearts too, that God has made us conquerors and that this war of a lifetime has been won. But before we can suit up in the armor, which we're going to start next week, actually the week after next because we're excited to have Winky Prattney here with us, yeah. William Prattney is what some may know him as, but we're going to start back with the full armor after that. But we mustn't forget how we will continue to fight for the duration, understanding who this adversary is and how we will be able to endure for all time. To find the answer to this question, what I'm going to do is step back a couple verses. And you'll see it on your screen in just a few moments. I'm going to step back a couple verses to verse 10. What I wanted to do was really, sometimes I do this with Scripture, is do things in reverse. It may be verse 10, 11, 12, but I may hit 12 and come back to 10 like I'm doing today because there were some things we had to understand last week. That there's a fight for your life. That there's a spiritual warfare taking place. But for this week, you're going to gain some new understanding from verse 10, and I'm going to read it to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is something that seems pretty, pretty simple. 
And last week, you would have thought that I just breezed over it, didn't really break it out of, out of the context that well, didn't really break it down either, that we just skimmed over and went straight for the warfare thing. It's key for us to understand the fight that we're fighting, but it's also now today key for us to understand by what strength we fight. It's hard for us to be honest with ourselves, to go from, try to make this right, understanding that we're strong versus understanding the fight. Understanding how we're strong versus understanding that there's a war for your life. We started last week to un unpackage that warfare aspect. Again, nothing creepy, nothing crazy, just real. And this week we're understanding our strength. Understanding that we are to be strong in him. You ready? Nod your head. You can throw up like a one of these if you want, if you want to do that. I always go like this, I like it, and then I go like that. Because you gotta make sure your brows are right. If you're ready to get down, you gotta make sure your brows are right. Let's go. So Paul starts Ephesians six ten. We see it this dissertation again of the art of spiritual warfare. And he, this is the finally thing. This is the end. He's like, finally, if I have one last thing to tell you, if I have one last thing that I want you to understand, people of Ephesus, is this. If I have one last thing that you need to know before we go, before I leave this earth even, is this. He says, finally, finally, be strong. Is how he starts. And this is going to be a little different for you today. Because we're going to really break this down a little bit more when it comes to the Greek. And you're like, great, that's why I went to college. No, I didn't, and I hate Greek. It's okay, it's going to make sense. We're going to break this down a little bit so that we really understand what he's trying to say here. Because it's important that we understand the word. Before we can suit up with all these things that we need to protect ourselves, we have to understand what the author was really saying. What was his heart? What was his intent? And we want to break it down so that we again know. This is key. We have to know. So we're going to break it down. Are you ready? He says, be strong, which is taken from the, the Greek word endunimo. All right? And this is a compound word if you look at it. And you'll see there an explanation, endunimus. Okay? This is an explosive strength. It's an explosive, not A-N. It's N. Okay? An explosive strength. Right? It's this ability or this power. And the thing is, with this type of strength, it has to be contained within some sort of vessel right? Have you ever had objects under pressure? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever shaken up a soda bottle? Right? That's fun, especially when your kids do it in those places they shouldn't, like, I don't know, a car or something like that. I don't know, anywhere. But um, you, you understand contents under pressure, and what happens, you shake that bad boy up, you turn the top, what happens? <laughs> you know, it's like, hopefully you guys think you're welcome for your second bath today. Um, showering you, that's holy water, okay? It's been blessed, I'm kidding. All right, but this explosive power that is contents under pressure, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about strength here. All right, this is the word picture that, that Paul is trying to paint. He's so careful how he picks the words that God lays on his heart to share. This is a, an explosive power that has to be contained inside of a vessel. And what we're going to do as we expose these things, there are a couple key points that I want to share with you along the way that will really just embed in your mind, that will ingrain in your mind, and will make sense in the end. So understanding this strength, we understand this, that God's power was made for you that you are that vessel. Do you understand that? 
You are that vessel. You may think that you're not. You may think that you're nothing. You may think that you're, you are the vessel. God's power was made for you. We see Psalm 139, 13 through 7. I love this scripture. I love this because it speaks to creation and a creator. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you, when you look in the mirror, you kind of camp on that a little bit too long. God, you did it right. Thank you. I need a bigger mirror, God, because, whoo, the glory's in here. You know what I'm saying? There's a line between confidence, okay, and I don't know what else you want to say. We'll go for pride for, for all kinds of fun. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And again, you're like, Hanky, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. Eyes saw in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh, God, how vast is the sum of them. If anybody knew where to come with this, David would. He was a hot mess most of his life. Needed this. Needed this understanding that God knows him, knows you from beginning to end. You are the vessel that he has chosen to display his explosive power through. That doesn't mean you go out, like Rob was talking about earlier when it comes to evangelism, and you go ahead and grab your King Jimmy Bible off the table. That's your family Bible, you know, the big white one. You know what I'm talking about? Or if it's covered with wood, I heard about. There's a, a family Bible covered with wood. Uh, in the Reynolds home, you don't go out with that bad boy on High Street and say, in the name of Jesus, you know what I'm saying? And you're like getting ready, you know? That's hitting them with the word. That's not what you want to do, okay? That could leave marks. That could make you go to jail for one thing. And we don't want to do that. You want to reach people. You want to explode in a, in a good way. Can I tell you what God has done in my life kind of explosion? Can I tell you how where I was and where I'm at? Man, I can't believe he's redeemed me the way I have. I can't, and some of those words won't make sense to people, so make sure you don't sound like you're crazy. I can't, man, this is where I was and this is where I'm at. That's my story. You just explode with that fervor and excitement because God has redeemed your life and he's made you to be strong. Made you to be strong. This idea that we see in Ephesians 6 um, it carries this thought, receive a supernatural strengthening, an internal deposit of power for your inner man. We witness this truth as we look at Jeremiah the prophet. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, again, it's, it's solidified in his life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How many of you guys know the prophet was not a fun job back in the day? Hey, guys, by the way, just to let you know, death, destruction coming your way, just repent, turn to burn, all right? It's really, be, it's a lot easier. Jeremiah out, drops the mic, you know? That's not a fun job. But if that's what God has for your life, and you know, you roll with it. Because you're a vessel that he wants to explode through, that he wants to do things from, that he wants to use to do great things. But we got to know these things before we suit up. We got to know these things. Let's move on. God's power was made for you, and God's power, second point, is necessary for the fight. Is necessary for the fight. We could skip over this again and go right to the things, the armor. But we got to understand something here. 
that this strength is necessary. His power through the Holy Spirit is necessary for the fight. If you don't have it inside, you can't have it on the outside. Think about it. If you don't believe you can, you can't. Come on, Thomas the Train. It's for real, though. Did you see the cartoon? But if you don't believe you can, if you don't believe you have it in you because of the, the, the power of the Spirit of God, you're dead in the water, and it's necessary for the fight. Necessary. God knows, and Paul knew too, that day as he wrote Ephesians 6, that these words would, would make sense to us and to the people that there was an adversary that was present. And an adversary, and this is what we got to understand, Yes, defeated, but is very intelligent. And he has plans for your life. He has plans for and he has a modicum of strength as well. He has a little bit of ability. He has a little bit of understanding into what can get you, what can take you down. I love this quote by Rick Renner. You'll see it on your screen. Satan is intelligent, keen, brilliant, canny, cunning, quick, brainy, and shrewd. He is capable, capable pleasant, and um influencing and determined. He is a wise strategist on orderly planning and arranging systematic assaults against humanity. He is the epitome of an opportunist knowing exactly when to strike with his destructive power. Of course, we're not giving him all that credit, but what I'm saying is this. You've got to understand that, that dude is smart. If you look back in your life at any time you struggled, you were tempted and you failed, if you look back with honesty, you can see where he got you where he allowed you to believe that the enemy was this person or what they said about you or what happened to you as a child or fill it in or how you got let go from that job or how you... He'll use the... He is so slick. Think of, and pray for them when you're done, the most manipulative person in your life. We all have them, don't we? Don't look at your spouse. Okay. <laughs> It's like next week, 40 people need marriage counseling. Bless the Lord. What did I get into? But think about the most manipulative person in the world. He's way better. He is so slick. He knows how to get you. You think they can push your buttons? He knows how to push buttons. He knows how to get you down. He knows how to, he knows how to kill your day from the very beginning. He is smart, but he is defeated. Do we understand that? We have to know that he is defeated. We have to know that we are more than conquerors. We have to know that God is able. We have to know that God loves us. We have to know. We have to know. We have to know. It's so important for us. As a soldier goes to battle fully outfitted with all he needs to make it through the fight on the external we need to be completely fitted on the internal so that when we wage war, we will win. doesn't matter what you have on the outside. It matters what's inside. Without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit operating in us, not one of us can ever be a match against Satan's wily schemes and devices. Something else Rick Renner said. We have to have the Spirit of God in us. The Holy Spirit has to reside. And that's not some creepy thing, the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that. That's what he was identified as in the, in the um, King James Version. That's where you heard that growing up. But the Spirit of God, that understanding that he has to be inside of you. 
He needs to be the most, strongest, greatest of all in your life, the Spirit of God. Third observation is this. God's power is not a one-hit wonder. Think about it. We all know about one-hit wonders, right? They're fun, aren't they kind of? Yeah, you write your summer song. You probably have it in your mind now. It was the summer song. The, the artist, who are they? But you know their song. You don't even know who sings it, but you know the song because you were thumping it. You had it turned up, right? And your headphones as you rode your bicycle. Um, you had it turned up. You were jam- it was your jam. You like to fire outside with the fire pit and stuff, and you turn it on. Your one-hit wonder, your summer song, whatever you want to call it. But what's amazing about God's power, it is not a one-hit wonder. This scripture is written in a present passive imperative. And this passive tense of be strong denotes an ongoing, lasting effect of provide all of our upon a believer's life. This understanding, and I love this, that God will provide all of our needs. A lot of times we look at the external to base his provision on our lives, don't we, and how he provides. We look at external factors to, to really think, has God helped me in this or has he left? Has God left me to die in this or will I see victory? We, we gauge it off the wrong things. Is that not human nature, though? I do it all the time because I'm a human. I could be sitting here right now and be like, amen, mm, come on, somebody, because I need this. I need this because I can be so temperamental. I can be so oh, human. I need to know that God never changes. He's not a one-hit wonder. His spirit is always alive. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. It's not about all that as much as what's going on in here. You know what I'm saying? What in here, what's inside here matters most. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Also think of Moses in the Old Testament as he stood before the people of Israel. And uh, these, these people were a hot mess. You think about it. Israel, they spent all this time in Egypt. They, they lived like Egyptians. They did, And then all of a sudden he was leading them out to this promised land. And he stands before them and they are just... They don't believe that anything good is going to come out of it. They just would have rather have died there. They would have rather just died in Egypt. And you see Moses say these words to Joshua and the people of Israel, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to run out on you. He's not a one-hit wonder. He's not going to be there one day and gone the next. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What is the same thing that we hear Joshua say to the people of Israel once again as they're about to enter their promised land? Be strong and courageous. Think about that. This was something that went from generation to generation. Joshua was that guy out there listening and saying, you know what, I believe this. I believe that God's not a one-hit wonder. I believe that God has done it before and he'll do it again. And I believe that God will be with us. I will be strong and courageous. You people of Israel, Be strong and courageous. You, people of the foundry, me, be strong and courageous knowing that he will not leave you. He is not a one-hit wonder. That is not the way the Spirit of God flows. That is not how his power is displayed in your life one time and gone. 
He's always there. And when you think about this infilling of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit isn't just a infilling for a singular event. It's an infilling that's a filling that's a filling that's a filling. It's an ongoing thing in our lives, daily being filled with the Spirit. You think of a cup of water. You think of a cup that's empty. You think of the Spirit and the Spirit being poured into that cup. Every single day you need it, do you not? Every single day. We leak because we're, we're people, you know what I mean? We, I think about my kid's fish tank. I have to fill them up all the time. Anybody have fish tanks? You know what I'm talking about here? The water just somehow evaporates nonstop, and you have to keep filling it and filling it and filling it. And I think about it with my life. Either I'm leaking some way, something frustrates me, hurts me, whatever, and I'm just like, I'm filled with anger, mm, filled with hatred, mm, filled with doubt. Put it in there, whatever you want, and it gets in the glass. It gets in the glass. But if I'm, I need to, again, if you keep pouring in, whatever's in will come out. And I need that in my life. I need to not just be filled at a singular time with his spirit. I need to be being filled. And that's what that means. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're be being filled. And not just once, but every single day. Because we need that type of power in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit. Fourth thing is this, God's power is yours for the taking. God's power is yours for the taking. A lot of times we just look at it on the table and we're just like, that's nice. That's great. Oh, man. Almost like a picture of a memory. Remember the time that God did that? Oh, that was awesome. I'll just leave it, though, because there's no way it can happen again. Or that was in somebody else's life. That's not mine. See, God's power is yours for the taking. And what I love about God, and I try to to help people understand this, that God's not a dictator. He's not going to make you take anything. I love that. I love that because you know what? It makes sense because if I'm in relationship with him, I'm in with him because I want to be. I want to be in relationship with Kara every single day. I want that. I want that. I want to be in relationship, which makes our relationship amazing. Because I think she wants me too. We still good? Okay. Of course. It's there for the taking. It's there for the taking. A lot of what we think and feel is based upon what we've experienced in life, if you think about it. Think about where you go grocery shopping. Think about where you go to get coffee. Think about where you go to get gas. What you've experienced at that place before determines your next visit, right? Have you ever received horrible service? Welcome to life, okay? Do you want to go back the next time? No. Have you experienced things in life that have hurt you, that you've taken on, that have, that have hurt you? People, life, stuff. It makes you a little gun shy for the next time, doesn't it? It makes you not want to take it on as much. This type of idea plays into our relationship with God in so many ways. Because again, we look at the picture and what happened surrounding that experience. We look at that person's life. We say, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to go back there again. I don't know if I want to try again. But God's power is there and it's yours for the taking. Ephesians 6.10, I want to refresh your minds with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is where we're going to break it down. And in his mighty power.
power. His mighty power. And again, this isn't some you know, run-of-the-mill hypothetical type of power. Let me explain this to you. This is the Kratos type of power that is very real. Ephesians 1, 18 through 21. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength with which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. It's Kratos' power. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? It's the type of power that raised Christ from the dead. This is what I'm talking about. It's for your taking. This type of power that raised Christ from the dead, the strongest flow of power that exists in the world, the power that brings somebody from death, not just regular death like stinky death up in a tomb kind of death. I don't care what they put on his body. It had to be bad a few days later, if you know what I'm saying. The type of death that completely regenerates a life, the type of death that takes Romans, excuse me, the type of power that takes Roman soldiers that were set guard outside and overwhelms them so much so that they're on the ground. They can't do anything about it. That's the type of power that is there for your taking. You're like, but you don't know me. You're right. God does. God does. And I'm going to choose to believe and have enough faith in him that if he can do it in me, if anybody knew me B.C., before Christ, if he can do it in me, he can definitely do it in you. It doesn't matter what happened 10 minutes ago, yesterday, last year. That power is available. And if he can raise Christ from the dead, it can surely bring you back. It can surely reinstate you. That is the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is real. This, he is real. His power is real. It is tangible in our presence God doesn't give us Kratos power so that we can sit idly by and do nothing in life. This power comes to enable us to accomplish some type of superhuman task. That's what Rick wrote as well. God has a superhuman task for you. You realize that? That he doesn't look at you as somebody that's a nobody. He looks at you as somebody that has overcome. He looks at you as, as somebody that is more than a conqueror. He looks at you as somebody that he can put his explosive dunamis power in. He looks at you as somebody that can make a difference. He looks at you as somebody that will change their world. Remember when I told you about the enemy? He's pretty slick. Even now, you're believing the lie. Well, you don't know. You don't know my life, Justin. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I, I, I don't, but he does. And what he sees in you is a vessel that he can use. Regardless of what has happened, today's a new day. And every single day from this point on is a new day. And every single day, there's power that he has that he wants us to take hold of. How do we do it? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. This type of power, if you were to think of it, have you ever seen like those world's strongest men kind of stuff? You ever seen that? 
Have you seen those guys that can like rip phone books or can like bend metal? His name's Robbie. He's right here. Um, but have you ever seen those kinds of guys though that you can just These guys have so much power, right? And what Paul wanted us to get when he was talking about the might of God, the power, is this, this ischios. It's an extremely strong man, a man who is able, a man who is mighty, or a man with great muscular abilities. Again, reflecting back to those in Roman culture that were super strong and able. Jesus, his spirit is far greater, far mightier, far stronger than anything we can ever imagine on this earth. And he wants to place that same strength in you so that you can overcome, so that you can be more than conquerors, so that you can give the same to someone else. Do you understand where I'm coming from? This is important for us. This is essential for us that we are strong in the Lord and in his might. This is essential for us that we understand that there is a battle to be fought, battles in the war, but each time we will be able to have this mighty power, this strength from within that comes by way of the person of the Holy Spirit. So how do we respond? Here's the response. What we're going to do is they're going to play some music from the back. And um, last week we had a great response time with with folks coming up and and really just spending time with one another in prayer. I loved it. Because remember, prayer is just talking. Prayer is talking with each other and then talking with God about it. And we had a powerful time when folks just kind of lingered a little bit. And there were deposits made in people's lives by God through his spirit that had probably changed those people's lives this week who came up. And again, this isn't a a sacred ground whatsoever, but the the symbolism of an altar is a place that you come and die to self, a a place that you come and sacrifice. And, And for us, we sacrifice the things out of our lives you know, get rid of those things. We burn them and move them aside, but then we also sacrifice, you know, what we, we want and what we have and what we need in life so that God can provide according to his will. And for us this morning, what I want you to simply do is seek to be filled. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? Well, if you look in Scripture, if you look in the book of Acts, you see that there was, there was evidence of that. You know, where he controlled the most unruly member, our tongue. But also, there's evidence of a life lived on mission. There's a life that produces fruit. Fruit of what? Fruit of the Spirit. There's a life that is changed because that life has been given over to God in his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So today is about this. Lord, I give myself, all of me, to be poured out for you so that I can be filled with you. Whatever you want from me. It's that whole surrender thing like we did earlier in worship. Whatever you want with me, for me, of me, it's all you. Because I know I'm your workmanship. I'm your handiwork. I am what you want me to be, God, because I will surrender to you.